Happy Monday, friends, and welcome back to the Mark Claire Show. It's been a heck of a week, my friends. I got to say, I know I got a lot of new people on here. Thanks to the wild and crazy live stream I did with Pete Quinones on last week's episode. Be sure to check that out if you haven't. Believe it or not, it's still on YouTube. So, so we'll see how long that one lasts. Check, click back in your podcast feed and check that one out. Uh, but it's kind of a happy accident, I think, in the last week. I, you know, one of those things. It's it's one of those things that sometimes happens. It doesn't matter how far you get ahead in podcasting, how many interviews you got in the can. At some point, you're bound to face some ups and downs. You're bound to face a string of cancellations and interviews falling through. And that's kind of what happened to me uh, this past week, combined with uh, a lot of craziness in my own life, all good stuff, but uh, things that did take a lot of time nonetheless. So I wasn't able to get an interview for this week, but guess what? It's the Mark Claire Show. It's all about Mark Claire, isn't it? It's in the title, folks. So it's kind of a good thing. I think a lot of of you are new here, and this gives me an opportunity to share with you an interview that was conducted with me about six months ago that I meant to share at the time in this feed like I often do when I'm on other podcasts, but for some reason, never got around to it, maybe because I was saving it for this moment subconsciously. Uh, But this is an interview I did with my friend Buck Johnson on his show Counterflow uh, back in December of last year, so you'll see some somewhat dated references to quote-unquote recent episodes of the podcast. But I think it's a very fitting discussion, especially for those of you that are new to the show, combine this one with the discussion I shared last week with my former colleague and friend, John, Oder, not former friend, still still friend, John Odermatt over at Lions Liberty. I think uh, this interview and that one I shared a few days ago, if you just click back once in your podcast feed, you'll see that one, uh, give you a pretty good summation of who I am, what I do here, and uh, what I'm doing with this podcast. So with that being said... No, with that being said, I got to tell you about our awesome sponsors. Also a sponsor of Counterflow is... Fox and Sons Coffee, run by the man himself, Stephen Fox, who started this company to share his love of coffee with his sons uh, and kind of re rekindle those memories that he had with his dad growing up while teaching his sons about entrepreneurship. I think that's a fantastic thing. Stephen's a great guy. I've known him for a couple of years, and I have tried not just tried his coffee. I get a two-pound bag delivered to my door every single month. That's how much I love it. I do not have to do that. I did that voluntarily. He, of course, gave me some free samples when we started this thing, and I and I realized, all right, this is good stuff. I can get behind this, but I also said I need this in my life every day. So I do have it in my life every single day. Uh, I've been currently going through the Brazilian honey prep. They got a number of different beans on there. Before I was drinking the Den Blend Dark, also a great one uh, if you're a fan of dark roast as I am. Either way, I want you to head over to foxandsons.com, F-O-X-N-S-O-N-S.com. Pick yourself a bean, any bean, get yourself a sample bag. Uh, You'll get yourself 18% off. That's right. I got it up for you. 18% off your order by using discount code MCS, think Mark Claire Show. MCS gets you 18% off your order, or once you've done that, once you know you love this stuff, get yourself a subscription to that two-pound bag. It's going to show up like clockwork every single month, so you never miss a day. You do not wanna, you're not going to want to miss a day once you get hooked on the Fox and Sons, my friends, let me tell you. And right now, Stephen is offering $4 off per bag, which was already a fantastic deal. Now you're going to get $4 off per bag for those subscriptions. So again, foxandsons.com, supporting a great sponsor of the show, helps support this show as well. Everybody wins, so check him out. That being said, here is my discussion with Buck Johnson from Counterflow. Friend of the show, Mark Clare. Welcome, sir. How are you? Buck, I'm fantastic. It's always a pleasure to be. Well, I guess I'm not technically in the Counterflow studios as I was a couple months ago, but it's nice to be virtually in the studio either way. Yeah, good. I hope to remember most of this night at least. (laughs) So I don't have to fill in the gaps later like last time. (laughs) Let's talk about, well, we talked about some stuff on the live version I did with you, but we're going to get into some different directions for this one. But first... I'm sober this time too, so maybe we'll be a little smoother in our presentation. (laughs) (laughs) I'll let you have the floor briefly here and then we'll jump into it and you tell anyone anything you want about the show, yourself, where you're at now. Oh, wow. There's, well, I assume you covered the basics in your intro. So uh, yeah, I mean, as, as most of your audience will know, I've hosted and uh, you know the, the flagship podcast, Lions Liberty, for nine years or so. And somewhere, I'd say earlier this year, I mean, you could even trace it back further, maybe 2021, 2020. I started to just get, as anybody who's been following along knows, I went from a libertarian podcaster to someone slowly questioning some of the strategies, at least in the beginning, I would say about libertarianism, to slowly feeling like I was always in combat with libertarians while still hosting a libertarian podcast. And to be perfectly honest, a large reason I hung on to it for so long under that brand was, well, one was that we put so much time and effort into it. So I I wasn't going to just give up that brand without really having done some deep sort of meditation on it and really made sure I was doing the right thing. But 
just really my friendship with Brian and John. I've known these guys since well before there was anything known as Lions of Liberty. We go back a couple of decades at this point. And I really loved doing the show with them. I really loved being business partners with them. So, you know, it wasn't like it was almost like a relationship where you kind of know it's over, but you don't really hate the person and maybe you share some stuff and some bills. So it's like, I don't know, that's a lot of work to separate the whole thing. So you just kind of don't do it for a while. That's kind of where I was with those guys, but it couldn't have been any more of an amicable breakup. I pretty much just shot them an email and just told them what I was feeling, how I felt like I had to go in a different direction, that I wasn't really, it didn't really feel right to be as part of a libertarian brand at this point. And they agreed completely, also very amicably. So it was almost like they kind of saw it coming too, which I guess in hindsight, they know me better than almost anybody. So of course they so they would see it coming if anybody would. But yeah, since then I've launched AI. I really went back and forth about what to call the show. And a lot of good titles came my way. A lot of good suggestions came my way. But at the end of the day, I do private consultations for podcasters. And what I'm always telling my clients is to lean into yourself as the brand. So how can I be telling them that? and not take my own advice. So I just leaned in as far as you can lean in and just named the show after myself. Partly because, well, it's the only show that fit fully at the end of the day. Every other name I could think of, I'm like, well, yeah, but I kind of want to don't just be boxed into what that means. I don't want to just be boxed into what that means. And the last thing I wanted to do, even though I'm in business with myself, so I wouldn't have to fight anybody over it. But the last thing I want to do is rebrand again. So I already did it once after nine years. I never probably, most likely, who knows what kind of changes I'll go through. Maybe I'll change my name, but most likely I won't have to ever rebrand the Mark Claire show, no matter what I think about anything. If I completely change my mind or my perspective on things that I was talking about in the early episodes, no problem. It's still the Mark Claire show and that's still consistent. So that's kind of where I'm at now. And then now I think one thing I've realized that's been become more important to me in the last couple of years and kind of the realization that I'm not saying politics is important, is not important. I certainly wouldn't say that especially local politics and the stuff we can most affect in our lives, which is what's around us, which in this case, in the politics case, is the local scene. I think even before local politics, like if you really want changes, they have to come internally. And I I say this as someone who has changed internally so much in the last couple of years. And that's really what I wanted to focus the show on, how to sort of reprogram yourself. And I say this not as an authority, but as an inquisitive person myself, as someone who's who is myself trying to figure out how to better myself, how to send myself on the right path, how to put myself in the position that's best going to help my family prosper. So that can include a lot of things. It definitely includes topics like religion, spirituality, understanding propaganda is a big one to me. I think so much of the political scene, it just talks about like the headlines that we're told to talk about. And I always think to myself, well, all these libertarians, I'm not trying to get on libertarians today at all, but they're arguing about these topics or these whatever headlines are out there, but they're arguing about it as if it's what the discussion should be when in reality, they're only having that discussion because they've been told, here's what the discussion should Mm -hmm. be. So part of what I want to do is help people kind of see through propaganda a little bit and see, you know, if we're all talking about Elon Musk for some reason, no matter what you think about him, there's probably a reason we're talking about Elon Musk and it might not be a good reason. So things like that. And, uh, Of course, religion and spirituality is something that I've definitely changed my views on dramatically in the last couple of years. And then sprinkle in a little entrepreneurship because the material world does matter in some way. It definitely does matter. I think as much as I believe there's a spiritual war and we need to change inward, we have to navigate this physical plane as well. So material wealth and and not just wealth, but really skill acquisition and, and the mindset you need to have to grow and prosper. That's something I really want to focus on as well. But to me, that might sound like a broad array of topics. But one thing that's really struck me listening to the my own show, listening to the... Well, now I've, I've recorded nine episodes. The next three are... They're available for my premium subscribers. Let's put it that way. Ever the entrepreneur here. But uh, there is a trend that you can... It's almost like I'm telling a story almost unintentionally, yeah. but it... It feels like a strange divine providence to me, the way these guests come to me and the way they're laid out in a certain order that I didn't really plan. It's just more like when they respond to me and, and I re- when I record an episode, I just call that the next episode. I'm not trying to number them in any specific way except mm. for the order I do them. And I, I have noticed it does feel like I'm telling a very cohesive story, at least from my point of view. I may be biased. No, mine too. I was actually going to say that because I know you like comic books and it feels like <laughs> yes. the new show is like, 
the Mark Claire arc of like the storyline of your journey, I suppose. I hate mm-hmm. that word, but I... I know, we both cringe at it, but... I know, but it's so... You told me when I did my last Lions of Interview with you, interview, uh, Lions of Interviews, Lions of Liberty interview with you, <laughs> uh-huh. you, you mentioned somewhere in the interview that you hated the word journey, and I was like, I agree. And then I intentionally put the word journey in the title just to troll you. I'm not sure if you caught that. I did. But it, it <laughs> makes so much sense, though. It's, it's so applicable for myself and you. And our journeys. Think, yeah, they are. And... The Lions of Liberty version of your specific show, this is not Brian or Odie's show, but yours wasn't necessarily like an arc. It was just you interviewing each week a political subject. And mm-hmm. and I noticed on the artwork of the new show at the top, it says, go deeper. Does it feel to you? It does to me. And I don't want to taint your look through my lens here, but just politics, strictly politics seems so surface now to yes. me. Yes, totally. And it's not to say that it's not important and doesn't affect our lives. Right. It obviously does. Yes. Yep. But yes, it's like, that's just scratching the surface. And yeah, I want to go deeper beyond politics, deeper than politics. And it's funny because that phrase itself actually came from just the first mock-up, which was also the final mock-up of my podcast art. Bert Grimm, who did the artwork for me, it's, yeah. I think he did yours as well, right? Yeah. He did, yeah. He is a superstar. And he just stuck that up there. He's like, I just put that up there because I thought it was just something that came to my mind. I was like, no, I think I want to keep that. That works, actually, because that's what I do want to do. I want to go deeper. I want to go beyond politics, which is what I had been pretty much done for nine years. So it felt very appropriate. And Bert's first draft was his final draft because it was just perfect from the get-go. And we were done. I mean, yeah, I can't recommend Bert highly enough as a gentleman as well as an artist. Yes, and formerly the best troll on, on Twitter. I haven't seen as much of that these days. Do politics interest you? Like, would you discuss politics on this new in this new direction you're going, do you still, let's say, pay attention to just politics at any level at this point? Well, I suppose as much as I was boxed in, I felt boxed in by politics. I guess I don't want to necessarily box myself out of the discussion. It's not on the topics of interest I have at hand. I am bringing Jason Rink, our mutual friend, Jason Rink, back onto the show in a couple of weeks. And uh, we'll certainly be getting into politics there between the documentary work he's done and his recent experience there in Austin with yeah, yeah, and company. Boy. There's a lot to talk about. So it'd be hard to avoid politics on that one. Um, you know, To me, it's just going to be however things naturally progress. Tony Merkel was my first guest and he said something political and almost like started apologizing. He's like, oh, sorry, I know you're not doing yeah. politics. I'm like, you don't need to, uh, you know, it's okay. We don't need to box ourselves out either. Whatever happens to be appropriate to a conversation. I mean, even in that that recent conversation I had with Jim Bob that we were talking about before yeah. the show, um, you know, we did 20 minutes kind of against libertarianism criticizing libertarianism, which was not intentional, but it was also very appropriate the way it came about. Yes. It wasn't in the bombastic way that you or I or Pete might have done so (laughs) months prior during the heat of the post-libertarian moment, if you will. Mm -hmm. had to tell by Munoz for the moment. And I think, to be fair, there's arguments against libertarianism that libertarians that we know and, and like a lot have. You know, I've heard plenty of people say, especially during the post libertarian moment, I guess you could say, they'd write me or I'd see them in person and go, I, I agree with what you guys are saying about this, this, oh, yeah. this, this is the oh, thing yeah. I, I don't. And they still would say, but I'm, I am a libertarian broadly because it fits me more than any other political mm-hmm. label. I don't know that you need political labels at this point, but so- I've gotten a lot of that too. Like, yeah, I totally, like people that say they're resonant, I you know what the kind of stuff I've been saying is resonating with them. Like, look, I'm so involved in my libertarian. Almost yeah. some people would be almost apologetic. Like, look, I hate to, I'm like, dude, I, you don't need to apologize to me right. for- doing. If that brings you value and dude, I've gotten so much value out of doing stuff where the thing itself didn't matter. Mm -hmm. Did playing Magic the Gathering matter in high school? Nerd alert! Nerd alert! Nerd alert! Nerd alert. No, but I made awesome friends there and have awesome memories of it. So not everything has to matter in this way. That's kind of what I'm saying, I guess, too. It's, It's just realize what matters and what doesn't. I hope Chris, my producer, can put a nerd alert beeping sound as you brought that game I need up. a lot of them for me. Yeah. <laughs> Fair point. You said something in your interview with Jim Bob that I could not agree with you more. And I said this to certain people, maybe to you at some point, but there is an aspect of libertarianism that feels like a safe space, almost a cheat code, if you will. So you can say, well, yeah, I, I don't like that side or that side. I don't agree with either side. They're all assholes mm-hmm. or whatever. It's like, but you find yourself in this safe middle of the road, quote unquote, like opinion or something. Above it all, above it all. Yeah, That's the way I would put it. But it doesn't allow you to get get in there and get your hands dirty on any substance at all. It's just mm-hmm. like, well, I I don't like taxes on 
I don't support the military, and I don't support uh, they the both welfare. support the empire. So yeah, and there's let's go always, over here and not even be involved in it. Yeah, it always felt that was this weird safe space, I suppose, and way to get out of the debate without having anything of substance to discuss in that. Did you see that? Oh, I not only see it, I did that. It was yeah, always so, so my it was always fair. my safe way out of an actual conversation someone might be trying to have about something political that they genuinely won my opinion on. And I, I cringe at past versions of myself that 100% said things along the lines of, well, this thing shouldn't even exist anyway, is the real answer. And thinking, yes. I, thinking I blew their minds or something is the funniest part. You're like, oh, I got them. Mm-hmm. I really got their wheels turning. They're going to be reading rough part tomorrow. Yeah. No, they probably just thought I was an aloof asshole, which I probably was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for instance, like the Uvalde school shooting, I found myself, even when people discussed ways to prevent this or what could be the root of the problem behind some of this, my initial thought that I had to get out of my head was, mm-hmm. well, there shouldn't be public schools. Yeah. And I thought you were going to say, was this even a real shooting? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's more what it would have been my thought. I think. Sure. Yeah. 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 Speaking of some of, let's talk about some conspiracy stuff because you will and you have already be getting into. I guess, for lack of a better term, everyone knows the term conspiracy theories. I know with the Lions, you had Conspiracy Corner, I believe it was. Yeah, uh, that was for, like a paywall bonus show mm-hmm. where I really let loose with a lot of this stuff and didn't really care because it's just like a sort of a bonus thing. So I've always been into right. the realm of conspiracy. I didn't even let, let you ask a question there. So No, that's you, you're, you're answering. It's like you knew I was going to ask this. <laughs> when did you kind of get into that stuff? As for me, I think you and I have been in I can't remember your entry into libertarianism, but I I was listening to Alex Jones, I guess in 2000, 2001 here in Austin. And it's almost as the years went on, I still find it so wild to think that he's like a household name now. Everyone yeah. knows who he is, certainly because of that trial he just had, but and now because of this Kanye stuff. But it's so weird to think of this kind of interesting, loud, rambunctious guy that I used to see on Access Television in Austin is now, and he was kind of well-liked in Austin, Texas. I would go to these juice bars, these local juice bars. And of course, this was during the George Bush era when he Don't think about the imagery of you at a juice bar. Just (laughs) Well, they sold Alex Jones DVDs at them. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. It's a base juice bar right there, huh? Well, now they'd never do a thing like that, of course. But, you know, as soon as he gave support to Donald Trump, he was persona non grata. But when he was speaking out against George Bush, the juice type people in Austin thought, what a sure, refreshing yeah. voice this guy is. When mm-hmm. did you kind of get into conspiracy type things? Man, in some, well, not in some ways, in every way, I think even before politics, depending on how you want to define it. I'm not sure what came first. I, somehow I stumbled upon, because I used to listen to the radio a lot when I was a kid. I actually mm-hmm. like, to this day, I kind of do it the same thing with podcasts. Like I need to listen to something as I go to bed to like fall asleep. Mm-hmm. And so I, I had like crazy insomnia in high school. So like I would just like listen to the radio. Like I, I would find different right now, but I was a nerd still like now. So like I didn't want to listen to music. I wanted to like hear people talk about interesting things. So at some point I stumbled upon Art Bell. Uh huh. I just was so sucked in by just really his approach to things. The fact that he wasn't really bombastic. He really just like, he was a curious person and was just very courteous and guest. And now that I think about it, I try to make take the same approach with people. So I'm sure there's a connection there. I, When I have a guest on my show, same with our bell, it was like, they're a guest in the home. I might not agree with everything coming out of their mouth. He might not, but you wouldn't know it listening because he gives you the space to get to wherever you're going or make whatever point you want to make. And But that really is what interested me in a lot of the uh, supernatural talk. Obviously, just like movies and pop culture growing up. I mean, I got huge into the X-Files. Fox Mulder was my guy. He was trying to uncover the truth to get to the bottom of things. And that just appealed to me so much. So I've always had that. I think that was in me even before politics. Definitely got into like the Bigfoot stuff. I was just very fascinated by the realm of the mysterious. And I even had like these like time life, like mysteries of the universe books. Of course, now I think back and I think to myself, I thought that was so edgy that like, Mm-hmm. conspiracy weird stuff I was into. And then I think like, well, what were my sources for this stuff? It was the X-Files on Fox. It was like Time Magazine booklets. It was all like mainstream stuff. So now in retrospect, I look at it with a little more curiosity. Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. Well, Alex used to say all the time, 
this is a mainstream source. You could read it online, you know? And then I would think, but I thought you don't like the mainstream media. Anyway, that's yeah, all this. It is like, I think that's just like a signal to normies. Like, look, you can't just say I got this on the internet. It's, it's yeah. on this thing that you say is trustworthy where, yeah, it's an interesting sort of dialectic there trying to throw out that as credibility while at the same time saying they're all lies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are there any big let's say, well-known conspiracies that you definitely are thinking this is legitimate versus Mm. some more kooky ones that you kind of blow off? I hate to be like super... Because my interest is really... It's interest. And it's hard for me to... Like in general, I would say like, there's not that much I subscribe to as I really believe this. There's just a lot I'm interested in and a lot of things I think, oh, that kind of makes sense. And then it's more like when you see certain things... It's almost like when you're comparing religions that we talked about with Jim Bob and you find the things you like and pick them out. I, I kind of do do that in the conspiracy world a little bit and find the thing. But then when you see a few things that make sense, then you can almost make like these, do the yeah. big wall and, and put everything together. But anyway, I'm, I'm going to answer the question. I'm not being politician on this. If you want one that I'm pretty damn sure on, moon landing. That's almost. what I wanted to ask you about. I'm not going to go 100% because that's okay. very certain. I'll go 99%. I'm sure that it was fake. Now, I'm not even saying we can't go to the moon, although NASA says that. So that's interesting. Right. Yeah. I'm not saying that per se, but, and I'm not even saying humans haven't gone to the moon. I just haven't seen evidence of that is what I'm saying. And I don't think anybody else has either. Yeah. That's the one I wanted to ask you about because it's one I've heard here and there, but never taken a deep dive into it. Let's say but you said a few things. It might have been on your episode with Jim Bob. We did that, get into it a little bit, yeah. So it's quite possible. What is NASA saying about it now? Well, they their line for some time now. Uh, there's like a specific video. I, man, I, guy's name is totally blanking on me. There's this like autistic dude who is like NASA's like like the guy who's like talks about NASA, the public relations guy. I'll, I'll try to find it for you after the show. But there's a video of him saying this. He says, you know, well, we used to go, we back in the sixties, we had to get around the net and the Van Allen radiation belts. He's yeah. like, he's like, well, that's, and then there's this video where this NASA guy is like, well, yeah, that's just the one challenge. We had to figure out how to get around the Van Allen radiation belts. And then you're like, well, wait, you did this once. Didn't you have to do that? So they're already saying like, we have this challenge that we have to overcome which is supposedly a challenge that has already been overcome a number of times in the late 60s and early 70s. And they literally now say, we just don't have the technology anymore. Mm-hmm. They don't even say they lost it. They say that they, they wrote over the discs because they didn't have a lot of like floppy disks back then. Or, you know, don't quote me here, but it's something as ridiculous. Is it something along those lines where they say they don't have the telemetry data anymore? So we got to figure this out again. So and hopefully we will someday. That's, this is the actually what they say. Mm-hmm. So for those who want to start listening to your new show or those who already have been, like, such as myself, we can expect some of that kind of thing to come up in the future, I hope. You can expect me not to shy away from it. Let's put it that way. I, on okay. Lions Liberty, I was very careful. I would try not to yeah. get into too much weirdness. And uh, in this show, like, I'm not trying to lean into it necessarily. I'm not trying to be a conspiracy show, but mm-hmm. I'm also not going to shy away from it. If we get into certain topics that cross over into that realm and I feel it's appropriate for the conversation, then we're going to go right in and I'm not going to be worried about what I'm going to say or what people might think about a guy who doesn't believe in the moon landing. I don't really care. I'm Mark mm-hmm. Claire Unleashed right now, so I'll go wherever wherever I need to go. And my quest to go deeper, if I run into some weird stuff as I'm digging along the way, that's fine. I'm not going to shy away from it. What kind of, let's say, reoriented the way you are headed over 2020 and 2021? There's a lot of things. Yeah. It's, it's, de- it's definitely a juxtaposition of events. Even before I met my wife in 2019, I was starting to... I, I, guess, I guess I was going through a thing where I was maybe trying to find myself, you might say. And I, I was actually taking religion a little more seriously, just my interest in it. For many years, mm. I was never like never like spaghetti monster atheist, but I was kind of like, I did the agnostic thing, which kind of meant atheist, but I don't want to say it, it all the way kind of thing. But I basically didn't believe in anything. You know, my beliefs were in liberty, in Ron Paul. So somewhere along the way, I did just start putting myself through a comparative religion class, just sort of exploring different religions, trying to understand them better, reading their texts. And that process continues. I'm kind of still doing that. And then along the way, through that process, I met my wife, who was sort of doing the same thing in a very different way, I would say, but a similar thing, actually. And I think we probably met each other at a place where 
Honestly, if me today and her today met the version of ourselves three years ago, we probably we might not even be that interested in them. But we met each other uh-huh. at the right time and have definitely grown together, I would say, in many ways. And one of those ways is just having a family, having a wife, essentially adopting her son along the way and bringing him here to the United States where that was some kind of process. But um, I've really learned a lot about what's important in life. It's not all dollars and cents, that's for sure. And there's things that just matter beyond... And a lot of those things are difficult. That's a big thing I've learned is that, man, like these last three years have been the best three years of my life and the most difficult three years of my life. And mm. and I wouldn't trade them for anything. And people might think like, why would you want difficulty? And I don't <laughs> want difficulty. Yeah, I guess it would be nice just to have the new life, have the new things, have the family together without having gone through difficulty. And of course, in our situation, Marrying someone from a different country with also a kid from a different country. Yeah, there's a lot more complications there than the average relationship is necessarily going to go through. And I'm not saying you should artificially make things to suffer about. Right. But it certainly makes you value it a lot more. And it also makes you value the suffering in an interesting way. It Mm -hmm. it makes you more impervious to it. To now when I'm faced with a challenge, yeah. I'm a human. I still sometimes get that gut feeling in my stomach and I feel stressed out. And I'm like, what are we going to do? How are we going to deal with this? But I don't run away to the bar and order a couple shots to deal with it and try to bury it like I used to. Now I sort of embrace it. You know, it might take me a minute. I might need to like get my head around it, but I embrace it. I realize it's going to be a challenge and that we'll figure it out because we've just figured out massive stuff in the last couple of years. Again, none of it easy, but I think it just it continues to build the armor. The more you suffer and the more you work through that, <laughs> the stronger you are coming through it and maybe more adversity comes towards you almost because of that. Like cuz the cuz cuz they know you're ready. The world knows you're ready. God knows you're ready, however you want to put it. I'm definitely using a little I almost said the universe and I had to stop myself cuz that mm-hmm. sounds cringe to me now, but I used to say stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean it's weird. The more you suffer, the more you want to suffer in a weird way. It's like feeling the burn at the gym, I guess. Yeah, I often compare it to Yeah, that. you are feeling a burn there. But at some point, that becomes like your motto. You want to feel the burn because that tells you it's working. It tells you you're getting strong. Mm. You sound like someone who's <laughs> had some experience with orthodoxy. I mean, I'm not trying to blanket anything with a statement like that, but... That sounds like someone who's at least spoken to I mean, Father Turbo. Yeah, it's probably not a coincidence. I'm only about a week off of my discussion with Father Qualls. And definitely, like, he, the way he puts some things, it's not like he, he wasn't telling me things I didn't know. He just kind of has a knack for telling you what you already know <laughs> and then putting it in a way where you, it feels like a revelation, but you're really just <laughs> realizing you, the revelation is that you already knew this, not mm-hmm. that you're learning something new. Yeah, I mean, his, my conversation with him, which I think will be releasing around this, like pr- probably around the same day, within a day or two of the release of this interview. Yes. That was just one of my favorite conversations. Forget podcasts. One of my favorite conversations I've ever had, period. And I, I did regret that, like, you know, I try to lump my days together now where I do a few back-to-back you know, interviews. And so I, I kind of was up against another one with him. So I, I did have to end it. But I, I really felt like we were just we were just getting warmed up 90 minutes in. And I wanted to go for hours more. So we will probably like... I'm sure the same thing happened with you, which is why yes. you brought him back again. So I, we'll probably do a part two at some point as well. Yeah, the moment we were done, I felt the same way. And, and he... It's like, no, know, don't leave me. Yeah. And he said, we need to do a part two. And I thought, well, please, yeah, please do. I, I was thinking the same thing. And he's a busy guy. I didn't want to press him on it without him allowing it to happen first. You said when I spoke with you offline that there was a few light bulbs that went off when he spoke mm-hmm. with you. Could you go further into that? Want to go deeper? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, um, deeper with Mark Claire. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll give you one. One for sure. And this is actually a tease. This one is in what I call the smoke-filled room segment. It's the bonus segment I do with every single guest. Go. It's like an extra 30 minutes of the show. You got to cough it up for that one. Entrepreneurship, baby. Yeah. But uh, this was something he mentioned from there. And man, I wish I... If I knew I was going to talk about this, I would have looked up the word again. It's like logus me or logus mei or something like that. I'm probably butchering it completely. But anyway, what it is, it's he basically described it as the arrows of demons. And they're like thoughts that can enter your mind. Yeah. Thoughts that tell you to do something you shouldn't do. Thoughts that suggest things to you. And really, and I, I had definitely had this experience before from on major things that, man, I'm so glad that what had happened, I did not listen to the voice. A lot of people tell you to always trust your instincts. Well, I, I agree with trust your instincts. But I think that's different than listening to the voice in your head. Now, sometimes that voice in your head is you. 
Yeah. And the biggest revelation there, though, was that Frederick Ball said, well, if, it, if the voice is saying I, yeah, that's you. Mm. If the voice is saying you, that's not you. And that was a real light bulb because I instantly thought of a couple moments where I definitely can say there was the you-I distinction. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad that I never listened to you. I listened to I, and that's worked out okay. I never listened to you. Thinking, should I be listening to you? Yeah, <laughs> Not before yeah. I was even thinking in that way, but thinking, well, is this my own voice telling me this? And now mm. it actually makes me think, maybe this wasn't my own voice telling me this. Maybe this was something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. What <laughs> You started our conversation by saying you are looking differently into spirituality than you were just a few years ago. How so? Mm. Well, I think there was a while, a couple of years ago, I was looking into it more academically, more out yeah. of like a curiosity, more like mm-hmm. almost like reading a novel or reading a movie. Like, this is really cool or this is really interesting and trying to follow the storylines. I mean, in a deeper way than entertainment, but I, in some way as an observer, like I not, it wasn't for me. It was mm-hmm. just to sort of understand. And I think now, again, now that I am married, now that I do have the whole family here, I'm sure that has changed my own perspective because now it's not just me. It's not just an interest. Like I actually think to myself, like, what should I be portraying to our son here? What should I, what kind of, and it's not going to be handing him a book and saying, read this. It's got to yeah. actually be just the way I change myself and how my own spirituality or whatever evolves. And which is going to reflect in how I act, which is what's going to reflect on him and reflect on other people. And so if I want to be someone who tells people that religion and spirituality and changing yourself is important, I can't just be doing that from the sidelines. I have to be an active participant in it. So I'm not going to beat around the bush. I don't know if you're going to leave here or not, because a lot of people have asked me online, especially with certain things I've been saying. So like I will say, I've definitely taken an interest in orthodoxy to... Mostly because I've said this a few times on your show. I I think I talked about this with Father Qualls. The interesting synchronicity I often see is that people I'm resonating with over the last couple of years, people that come into my life in one way or another, you being one of them, I find I'm resonating with them. And then later, separately, I'm like, oh, this person's looking into orthodoxy or (laughs) is it currently a catechumen or Mm -hmm. has been orthodox for a couple of years now that I didn't even know. And that has happened a number of times (laughs) to the point where it starts to feel like maybe that's not completely random. Maybe there's a reason I'm drawn to those people. That doesn't mean I'm I'm even considering going to church next week because I'm not. But it does mean I have the most respect for it. And I'm certainly, I certainly have a lot of Seraphim Rose books mm-hmm. in my house right now. Um, you, One of them you, you gave me. So I definitely, it's the one I'm looking to the most because it's actually the one I ignored the most when mm. I was looking into other religions and stuff. Because I was like, I know what that's, I know what that Christianity, I was, I was raised Jewish, Judeo-Christianity, it's all like the same thing. <laughs> I know what that's about. I don't need to read that stuff. Turns out I didn't know what it was about and never knew what it was about. And I feel like orthodoxy is the closest to the original source that you can go to find out what it was originally about. I'm not saying it's the right version. I'm not an authority on anything like that. I'm not here to be in a debate about that, but it categorically, historically speaking, is like the earliest version of it. I think that's hard to deny even of people that aren't of yeah. that sect. So I think that seems like the place to start. And and it does a lot of what I hear and see and interact with in that realm definitely resonates with me. So that's what I'll say on that end as far as my own journey goes. But I'll be honest, I have no plans to like find a church or anything. It's not where it doesn't mm-hmm. mean I won't, but it's not right. where I, that's not where my mindset is, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Are there things that turn you off about spirituality? Mm. And this is a broad just the question. Because yeah. even I, I use the word and yes. I find it cringe, but because at some point it just does feel, and when I find something cringe like that, it's probably because I'm, seeing younger versions of myself being cringy. Like for, sure. I definitely said I'm spiritual, not religious for a right, while. Right. Now I like oh, I'm throw up when I, when I hear that. Cause you know, this kind of goes back to what I talked about with Jim Bob. Yes. There's a point when you're all exploring stuff, which I definitely very much relate to where you, it's like you're on the spirituality aisle at Walmart is kind of how he described it. And you're just, yeah. you're just picking whenever you like, you're like, I like this thing. Oh, yoga is cool. I like that. Oh, but the Hindus do this. That's kind of cool. And then yes. you've got this like basket of spiritual goodies that you're checking out with. And it, it sounds good. Cool. It's like, Oh, I'm being spiritual, but really you're just like kind of confused and are just bringing in whatever feels good. And it's not yes. that different than just doing that in the material world. I mean, I'm not saying I'm very sympathetic to people doing that because I did that. And, 
maybe you got to do a little of that and jumble it all yeah. up and, and see what comes out, see what you pick out of the cart and what's spoiled and what's not. You know, like, so maybe you do have to go through that, but but it's like the libertarian thing. It's like feeling enlightened because you're doing that. That's the silly. That's the silly thing. I definitely felt like I was like, like my 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 spirit was rising because I was like taking in all these different spiritual or other religious type emblems or symbols yes. or practices or whatever it may be. And, and that's just silly. You're not enlightened. You might be exploring something in a genuine way, but don't act like I just take in all the different symbols and like, like, come on, that's silly. And that's not a worldview. In fact, no. it's impossible for that to be a worldview because yes. if you really dig into what those are, there's a lot of, I used to do this too. Again, all these criticisms are towards myself. There's a lot of like, well, all these religions are just trying to interpret the world and the divine in the way they can. And they're just, they're coming out with different ways. And like, that's really appealing because you don't have to argue against anything. It's kind of like libertarianism again. I don't have to argue against the Republicans and the Democrats. I don't have to argue Hindus versus Christians. They're all just doing their best and trying. It's like the yes. inverse of that because you're not mad, mad at them. You're like, you don't want to offend them. You're like, yes. they're all just trying their best. But really, if you're actually, ta- if you actually want a cohesive, coherent worldview, yeah, you can be interested in all those things and find them fascinating. I certainly right. am. Yeah. But you can't take them in and create a new ball of like a religion out of it and then think that's going to guide you somewhere. Because yes. it's not. It's going to guide you to further confusion. Yes, that's the Gary Johnson version of, yeah. of, of religion. <laughs> Where, totally uh, what was it? Socially liberal, economically... Yes, it's cons- like the religion version. It's like, yeah, it's like socially Hindu and... Yeah, and, right, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, oh, it's man. funny. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I can tell you're an interviewer because you're taking this where I wanted to go without me having to say it. But there is that safe, that's that again, that safe space where you're trying to say you're this, but you're really nothing at all. So mm-hmm. it's in that middle ground, like, well, I like this and this and this, but I, I'm not all the way this way. I, you know, please yeah, yeah. like me. I'm not a thing. Republican. No, I'm not yeah. Hindu. Yeah, I like, yeah, I like if they say the taxes thing. That's cool. But I'm not yes. one of them. It's, it's, the, it's the exact same thing, actually. Yeah. I'm going to start using that, the Gary Johnson version of religion. And yeah, this is, I am too. It's a good one, yeah. Too bad we don't believe in intellectual property. <laughs> if you love coffee or someone in your life loves coffee, here is the thing to do. I've got an idea for you, as does my friend Stephen Fox over at Fox & Sons Coffee. Fans of Counterflow use code BUCK25, B-U-C-K-2-5, for 25% off of your order of $25 or more now through the end of this year. Order by December 19th for delivery before Christmas. It's my favorite coffee. It's a wonderful business, really. This guy is so supportive of this show, Counterflow. So give him some business. He's got a wonderful family. Give this small business some money and you get some delicious coffee. And it's really cool. People are going to love it if you just order before December 19th. Give the gift of coffee. Wake people up, damn it. (laughs) Buck 25 for 25% off of your order, order at foxinsons.com. That's F-O-X-N-S-O-N-S.com. Thank you guys. Let's get back to the show. Do people sometimes call you black-pilled? You know, I was getting that a while when I was going through my phase of sort of starting to reject the libertarian dialogue and then starting to throw some bombs on Twitter here and there. And just talking about like me saying like, I don't think this... I don't think politics is a place to focus. I don't think you can change that much. I've definitely said those about the national level for sure. So I think that gets you kind of labeled black-pilled. To me, I was just becoming more reality-pilled. That's the way I would view it. But interestingly enough, I haven't heard that at all since starting the new show. So maybe there is a reflection. Maybe when people say black-pilled, they just mean you seem kind of surly. And I definitely seem kind of surly for a while. And I do feel like the show, doing the show has been just tremendous medicine for me. Like I, I feel like not to go back to the spiritual thing, like I'm enlightened, but I feel like I'm raising myself up by having these conversations. I actually feel like every episode is leveling me up in a certain way, which yes. I honestly never felt like that about Lions Liberty. I certainly right. liked what I was doing with it for a long time and have certain interviews I think are stellar, but and it, I didn't feel that kind of... I feel like I was trying to educate others before. Yes. Now I feel like I'm trying to educate myself. And of course, I'm a human. There's people like me. If I'm getting that feeling doing it for myself, I presume there's others out there that will get the same thing from it. Yes. Yeah, well put. I've experienced the exact same thing. Are there parts of the spiritual journey that scare you? Oh, yeah, for sure. Are you kidding me? It's the scariest. The whole thing is the most frightening thing ever, especially, you know, you know this, others that have 
gone through the same thing. No, this father turbo really slammed at home. Like, like, and this tracks so well with things I've been going through, whether even if I haven't been going to church per se, I've definitely been getting closer to God. (laughs) And the Mm. closer you get to God, you've said this to me, father turbo has said something along these lines, the closer you get to God, the more suffering and the more challenges you experience. Mm. And that is really scary. Maybe that's part of my hesitation for not wanting to go not looking up the church. I'm like, maybe I think to myself, oh, I can read these Seraphim Rose books and I from the safety of my bedroom and maybe they're not going to think I'm going all the way. So maybe they'll leave me alone. <laughs> I know that's going to, but I mean, these, yeah, of course, that's very scary. You know, it's something I think to myself. And even after I just went on this speech about suffering, guess what? I'm still a human. So yeah, of course, the idea of if you get even closer, you might suffer even more. That scares the living shit out of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I'm still a human. I can learn the lessons and still have the human emotions you know, that go along with those lessons. So for sure, I think the idea of getting closer to God and closer to truth is it sounds like whatever human should do. And it, yeah, it's absolutely terrifying in a way. Has the virtue, let's call it the virtue, I suppose, of struggle been drilled into you further than it would have been a few years ago? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. My life was easy before. I was in mm. LA. I made good money. Sure, there were probably things that stressed me out. But yeah, I was comfortable. I was way too comfortable. And my life reflected that, you know? Yeah. I had a unspectacular, single, comfortable life. And if I was honest with myself, I was probably pretty fucking miserable inside. Mm. Maybe not miserable. I guess there's different parts in the timeline. By the time I met my wife, I was not miserable. But um, a couple of years prior to that, I certainly was. Easier to say now than to accept that then. But you know, my wife was even looking at pictures with me from like 2015, 2016. She's like, "Man, you know, she she says this in a sweet way, but um, man, you were really you were like a lot bigger back then. Like you like you not even like I was fat. You could just see it in my face. You know, like I was just." Yeah, bloated. And yeah, yeah, because that was a reflection on my inside. I was bloated inside. Mm. So I looked bloated outside. That was a a good one, huh? (laughs) Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, looking back at pictures is when you really realize like I wasn't in a good place then. Because look at me. You can just tell. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I like to think I'm in a much different place than then and, and can definitely tell the difference, especially, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, but with the benefit too of just I feel like I've further honed the skill of being able to step outside myself and look at the true self of me a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Easier in hindsight than in the present. Present a lot harder, but it's still something I feel like I'm... It's a skill you hone. I don't think it's anything you ever 100% can do perfectly or else you've ascended all the way, I guess, at that point. Mm-hmm. But I try to look at myself as I am better and then that helps you better assess yourself and what you need to do and where you need to go. None of this is easy, but... Um, right. It's also a necessity because it's actually what you have to do to grow. It helps to have recordings of yourself, to be honest. That does help, yes. I've listened to old ones. And you and I have spoke about this. Mm -hmm. It's cringe to listen to just a couple of years ago to yourself. Dude, try nine years ago, man. Lions Liberty episode one is one of the most cringe things I've ever heard in my life. But you can still go hear it on the old Lions Liberty feed. Is that the one with Kane? No, I think it was my my sixth episode. Okay, My first episode was Stefan Cantella. Oh, I I listened to that too. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Are there, I don't want to harp on libertarianism, but you and I both come from the world and there's elements of it that I am still interested in. And there's a lot of elements of it that I'm not. Which elements of it turn you off now? Mm, Definitely the libertine, like promotion of sex work, promotion of porn. And I'm not even saying I've changed my mind on the legality of those. Sure. Although I, right. in some ways, I, I mean, I certainly don't want the national government making laws about that stuff. Yeah. But at a community local level, yeah, like, like, yeah, my kid shouldn't be born, like straight up. So I don't know what the mechanism is to prevent that. It should be the parents in theory, but look at the world we live in. So, I mean, whatever. But yeah, I mean, it's more the cultural side of that is what I would argue more than the legal side of it necessarily. Even if you agree with the libertarian ethic, that stuff should be legal. It is horrible. I'm sorry. It's horrible and it hurts people and it hurts their souls. And there's a reason porn's free because it costs you your soul. And I think my Mm. perspectives on stuff like that, sex work, and this doesn't even necessarily mean like, I don't want to put sex workers in jail, people. Calm down. But but it's the difference between maybe not wanting to put someone in jail for it, which I don't, versus saying it's a good thing. Saying it's empowering a woman. Saying it's just two consensual adults with a video camera. What's the big deal? Which I used to say and I used to believe because I thought to myself, what's the deal? I'm watching. They're enjoying it seemingly. (laughs) The camera, everyone is consented here. But there's that's just not... 
that's not looking at any of the reality of it. That's just like reading your principal scorecard and checking all the boxes. But then you look on the actual field and half the players' arms have been chopped off. But the scorecard <laughs> right. says the game's going great. Yeah. <laughs> so look at reality. See what it is in reality. And try to live like that and try to talk about your values through that. You can still say, I don't think we should put people in jail for this or that. I, I don't think we should either. But there's something between don't put them in jail and this is excellent and should be promoted. Yeah. One of the things I've learned over the last six months for sure is to be thankful. And you kind of alluded to this a little bit. Thankful for the storm you can be put through at various times because like you said, and I've made this analogy many times, it is like the gym. It's not easy. It's not necessarily fun like a party and it hurts, but you know you'll be better when you're done with this. Are you almost at a level thankful for the COVID moment? And just for people listening that don't always hear this show, and I in no means mean thankful that people got sick or died or anything like that. I mean, specifically for how it impacted you. So incredibly thankful. <laughs> it's as crazy as it is to think. I mean, if that big of a challenge wasn't occurring, if this, if that yeah. heavy of propaganda wasn't coming my way, I mean, it changed the way I looked at everything. I mean, I don't know what kind of person I'd be. Maybe I'd Same. be really spiritual or something. <laughs> Walking around with my basket of goodies, just telling everybody how spiritual I was now and then maybe still kind of being miserable and not going anywhere in my life. I don't I don't know. I mean, I met my wife just before COVID and it felt like the perfect time to meet someone that thankfully had my exact same views on yeah. everything that was playing out and was just as skeptical of everything. Thank God that never had to become an issue in our household. I, I really felt like we met each other at a providential moment where yeah. we both needed each other to get through this, which of course just reinforces my thoughts about God and things of that nature. So yeah, I'm incredibly thankful for it. You lived in some places that a lot of people haven't. At least the trek you took is interesting. L.A. to Mexico to Florida. Mm -hmm. We've all it's a little visited. bit of an odd route. Yeah. yeah. Can we talk about the cultural differences in these places? And mm -hmm. uh, there are places many of the people listening have visited, obviously. And I've myself lived in L.A. But and I know you visited Mexico. Yeah, that, that's there. right. We hung out there and, and visited our friend Tho in Florida. But I want to compare the cultures and kind of what you experienced in each place. It's interesting because you experienced all of these places in the COVID moment. So yeah. you can relate yeah. it to that or however you'd like. Man, it's so interesting. I mean, Mexico is a tough one because we lived in two different parts. Of, well, actually total three different parts of Mexico, all three of which are very different. Like when, we, when the COVID thing first started, I refuse to use that word pandemic. When that <laughs> thing first started, you we went to L in it. Yeah, we went to uh, this small town about 90 minutes outside of Mexico City where my wife had some relatives. And that was like, it was in the beginning, but it was just such a small town that you barely saw masks anywhere. It was just, people are just selling their fruit at the market, like going along on with their lives. Like, you know, and then, but then we came back to Los Angeles because we had, we, that's when we started thinking about marriage and paperwork. And we had to do some of that in the United States. So that was in LA because that's where I did have my job that I was eventually brought back to. That was like where I had the stable income while we did this stuff. So, and then I experienced LA in the pandemic because which, man, it, I'm sorry, plan, it, it never, <laughs> I felt like they were in lockdown. And then this is, I remember like interviewing Tho Bishop in, in April of 2020. And he was like already living a normal life. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, Dude, like, I can't even, I still can't like sit down in this restaurant down the street from me. I still have friends that like stand in the corner. They'll come out to a party or something, but they'll stand outside or in the corner with a mask on and a face shield on. I'm like, this is not the same. I is when I really realized like, man, where you live matters. Like there yeah. is a different universe literally in other parts of the world. Say what you will about LA. I loved LA. Like I moved mm -hmm. there in 2002 as a city, as a place to hang out go to the shows, you're close to Vegas, you're close to Mexico, you're close to like the desert. Like there's just so much you can do from there. And there's really cool stuff that goes on. It is a fun place, especially as someone single in their 20s without much direction. You know, it's a, yeah. it's a, certainly a place you can get into a lot of fun, a lot of trouble and, you know, feel like you're having a great time. And I made some of my best friends in my life there. So like, it wasn't necessarily easy to leave, but it was easy to leave. After like nine, 10 months there in the pandemic, I mean, man... Right now, they're talking about bringing back a, an, an indoor mask mandate. Right yeah. now. Yeah. I mean, 
at some point you realize the population of certain areas want this yes. now. So yeah. whatever change in them, if most of your neighbors want to live that way, yeah, then you're, you're going to keep going back and forth and back and forth and back in the pendulum and having to put a mask on or, you know, and I just, I don't want to live with this back and forth anymore. And, and I will say like, it wasn't much better because then we spent some time in Mexico City. We spent out three months there while we were waiting for some immigration stuff for my wife's son. We were doing waiting everywhere. We were waiting in LA. Everything has been waiting for two years. We're either waiting to leave LA, then we're waiting to leave Mexico. It was all just a lot of waiting, which is really mm-hmm. hard, especially when you don't know when that waiting ends. Waiting's not hard when you see the light. Like with the immigration stuff, we literally, we didn't know. It, it could take years. Like we we could right. still be waiting. And we that was just so, so incredibly stressful. So Mexico City itself, not worse in terms of the people because the way they do it is different but way worse than LA as far as the pandemic goes, specifically in regards to masking. Mm -hmm. I would say literally, as the last time I was there was December of 2021, almost 100% masking with no mandates or no requirements at all, on the street, walking dogs alone, riding bikes. My wife and I could go for a walk for an hour where the only two faces we would see Mm. just completely zombified. Now, I'm not going to say it's worse than LA because there were no Mexican Karens. No one's yelling at I never got yelled at. Yeah, okay. Uh, maybe like someone might, some, once in a while, a lady might give me a look or something, but nothing like LA where people would scream at you, yell at you. Like, like it, Mexico is a totally different kind of culture. You're, you're, that's just not a thing that happens there. Like, people kind of mind their own stuff. And I think that's maybe part of why masking was so prevalent there. It's like, eh, I'll mind my own thing. I'm just going to put on the thing. Everyone's doing this. I mean, there is definitely a level of, of legit woke esque COVID stuff with them too. Okay. So yeah, um, and neither is a place I ever want to live again. I'll say that. And my wife, my wife was raised in Mexico City, and it's where our whole family is. But I love the city again, like LA. Love the city. Yeah, Just so much to do. Lucha Libre. I mean, you got to uh-huh. go to Lucha Libre in Mexico City. I, if you will go to Lucha Libre with me, I will go back to Mexico City for that I'm particular down. event. But to live there, I just couldn't do it because this is going to happen again. Something way worse than this is going to happen again. Those we already have markers on the trail of places to avoid. All right, if you had a if you have a place that's currently having an indoor mask mandate, that's a big flag that's been planted that says don't be there when the next thing happens. And we don't know how much time we have till that is. So get where you're more safe, where you're least. And like I'm not saying I'm in the perfect place. So yeah, we're in Florida. It's certainly I think one of the best choices we could have made. I don't know. I'm still getting to know my neighbors. Maybe some of them will toss me in the gulag. Nothing's perfect, but but I don't know necessarily. I know 100% Los Angeles. You do not want to be there when this goes down. You do not want to be in Mexico City 100%. I mean, it's simply not a safe place to have a family. I truly think that now. And that's why sometimes I harp on people and I, I give jabs and this sort of thing. But it's... I'm not joking around either. Like, I actually think you're in danger if you stay in these places. So to me, the places that are dangerous have been clearly marked especially if you lived in a couple of them. You know, mm-hmm. They couldn't be more clear to me. And Florida seems completely different than to you. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look, I, I know there were places that in Florida that were doing more masking. I've certainly had conversations with some people here and there that I work with where I can tell they're... The thing is, it's just a huge difference though. They're kind of being on the both sides. Like, yeah, well, maybe we can do the mask thing. You can hear the confusion in it too. Yeah. But you, don't, yeah. you never hear that in LA even. Even the fact that, yeah, to me, it's a little like they're kind of more on that side than I would like. Right. Some people... It's nothing like LA where it was 100%. Here's exactly, and at least they're having a conversation and not just screaming at people. I mean, so even to the extent that I see some less than skeptical views about it, there is still kind of, it's still done in a questioning way with people I talk to, but that's night and day. So I definitely think it's different. I mean, I mean back to politics, you know, it's in this case, yeah. I'm in this state because of what Ron DeSantis did. Yeah, sure. Fact. Because I, I, I know it's at least buying us a little time, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, hopefully, four more years. Hopefully, he doesn't get involved in the whole presidential fracas. Because I think he's genuine, at least with what he's doing here. Because there's really no other reason for it. He was just, he was a regular old Republican. I don't think he had to do any of this stuff. He could have just gone along the same lines as everybody else. So, yeah. I'm not saying he's because he's a great guy. I have no idea. He might just be a great politician who just figured out this is a base no one's tapping into and I can just become the best on this or one mm-hmm. of the best on this and just go hard. And okay. And if the result of that is I'm in a better place for my family for a few years, then so be it. Um, I, I will just analyze the system and and you know do my best to, to make the right choices. Uh, I'm not. If Ron DeSantis 
becomes president and says some stuff I don't like about this issue or that issue, like I'm not going to be surprised and taken aback by it. I will say you have done your task for this time in my life. Thank uh-huh. you very much. Hopefully someone has come behind you that's going to carry that on because hopefully there's a culture that's building here that's going to say you have to be like that to be in charge right. of the state. What makes you happy now? Well, I mean, actually spending time with my family now, which is all of the time we had spent prior to this was like being huddled in an Airbnb or staying at this yeah. place temporarily, waiting for this thing. And when's it going to come? And if it does come, is it going to get approved? And that, like to have this without that stress is just awesome. You know, like we can just do like normal things, like have my son's first Halloween in the US and have him get a costume and, and like see it all. He's never seen it. And just like little joys like that, that finally life can be a little bit about just enjoying the time instead of just about being stressed about the next big thing I have to deal with. Now there's always big things that I know there are to mm-hmm. deal with that come up, but it's nice to actually feel a little, a little normal. <laughs> Most people wouldn't call me normal, but especially after this conversation, but it's nice to feel that way a little bit for once because for a couple of years, it was just, we're always climbing a mountain, climbing a mountain, climbing a mountain. So just the simplicity of that. And then I'd be remiss not to mention doing my podcast. It's really just re-energized me in every yeah. way. Like, there were definitely days of Lions Liberty. I, I was like, I don't want to do this. And not because of the person, just because of me, because I wasn't feeling mm. it. I wasn't getting what I needed to out of it. And man, I don't feel I mean, it's the opposite. It's night and day with the interviews I'm doing now. And it's just, I think it's because it's providing the energy I need. It's the conversations I know I need to have. And that's why it can always be the Mark Claire show, because I'm always just going to keep trying to have the conversations I need to have. Those might be completely different conversations that I'm having right now in five years. Who mm-hmm. knows what kind of conversation? Who knows how cringe I'll think I am right now in five years? Probably to some extent I will. I'll probably think I'm cringe when I hear this on your show in, in like a week or two anyway. <laughs> no, I doubt that. <laughs> Not yet. That's too soon, Mark. That's too soon. Wait, Talk wait. about the show. What are the plans for it? I know that sounds like a strange question, but in your mind, what do you see for it going forward? Ooh, that is a... I will be straight up. I would love to make it more of what I do for my income. Yeah, <laughs> and it already, it already is. I'm already, I'm already thrilled actually by the early support. I've got six episodes out uh, as the recording of this and I'm, I'm in the, I'm in what is it, the red? <laughs> this is how much of a businessman I am. When you're doing good, you're in the red. Yeah, I'm already in the red. So, I mean, it's, I'm really blown away by the early support I've gotten. I mean, obviously a lot of that is because some people have gotten to know me over the years and mm-hmm. pretty much transferred their support from Lions of Liberty. So obviously I'm not facing the same battle that someone just starting a Mark Claire show from brand new that no one's ever heard of would face, but it still is a slow build. I mean, it, it, that is a podcast. A podcast is a slow build. As you know, it does not happen overnight. You got to work and put out the content. But if you're doing the right things, if you're having the right conversations, if you feel like it's something good, people are going to find it. And I truly like... Like, dude, I've been listening to my own podcast a lot. Like, I actually think I can genuinely say these are fantastic, really important conversations. I agree. And if I'm that excited about hearing my own voice, which I can't stand hearing, Hmm. it's not the my voice part of it I'm into. I'm into what the guest is saying, which is like 70, 80% of it. If I'm that into it, I got to imagine that more people are going to continue to get into it as they figure out what I'm doing, as they stumble upon me. I don't expect to just transfer Lions of Liberty audience into this podcast, there's already been a good number of that. I'm sure most of my initial audience is Lions Liberty people that followed me over, but I want to find brand new people. I, I want to find people that are finding me because I had a Sam Tripoli on or, or because yes. I had a Tony Merkel on, because I had a Jim Bob on. I want to, I want those people that maybe aren't sullied by nine years in the libertarian stuff to come in and enjoy the conversation from their perspective. And maybe I can learn from them too. You know, I, I really want to build a community out of this. And I'm just, I'm completely flattered by the support I've gotten so early on that, I mean, I knew I wouldn't start off with zero. Like I knew some people would come over, <laughs> but it's really, I had people coming in before I put an episode out. And that was just like so flattering because that's just putting, that's putting a leap of faith in me. And it really means a lot. The people that, that have done that and every one of my supporters like just means the world to me because you're helping me do this. You're helping me. You're paying for my therapy essentially and you're helping mm-hmm. me do more with it. So like I have no desire to do the Mark Claire show five days a week. Like God bless Tom Woods. He crushes no it. Kidding. I know yeah. I would get a I wouldn't I knowing my personality, I would end up hating it in week three and I would want nothing to do with it again. So I don't know if I want to do more episodes of the show eventually. Mm-hmm. I suppose if it became full time income, I would certainly be able to justify doing more with it. Yeah. I don't know what that means exactly, but I, I will say if it becomes something where I can start to turn down days of work, because you know, I work freelance, I take work here and there. And right now it's a lot because you know, just went through a move, I've been dealing with a lot of bills. 
But if I can get to a point where I can actually say no to a phone call because I'm making more staying home and doing the podcast that day, that'll really be a, a game-changing moment where I'll really start to... Then I'll really be able to consider where to go next. For now, I'm going to be where I am, really just trying to uh, religiously, I guess you could say, put out my, mm-hmm. my one episode per week and do my do the best I could possibly do at doing that, making it the best I can make it, and putting all of my soul into this thing. So that's what I'm going to continue to do and where it goes. Honestly, where it goes is up to the listeners. That's where, mm-hmm. that's where it goes. If it stays where it is, I'm going to be really happy, to be honest. I'm really happy with it right now. And if it's just the number of people I have listening to it right now, getting a lot of value out of it, I'm honestly okay with that, which isn't something I never felt before. I always felt like, I got to get another 10% downloads. I got to increase my numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course I want to increase my numbers. But if it's just stay as a hobby that pays for itself and lets me do this, man, I'm getting so much value out of it. It's still a great deal for me. Hey, and if it goes somewhere else, let's see. But I'm not going to be disappointed if it doesn't. And which is a hard thing to do. Like I definitely have had a problem setting... Like I think it's important to set goals and high expectations, but almost like I've, I think I've set up the thing in my life some before in my past where I've assumed the expectation. And mm-hmm. then when it doesn't happen, I feel now I failed. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing I've tried to do more of, which is not necessarily easy, is just enjoy the experience of what I'm doing. Doing some, Do a thing for the right reason. I'm doing this podcast because I love it. I'm not doing it to make a million dollars. If I happen to make a million dollars doing the thing I love, that's awesome. But if I don't, it's still a thing I love so I can continue doing it. So I'm, I'm very happy with where it is right now even. you know. As this episode drops, yesterday, you will have released your episode with Father Turbo. Yes. And there's a lot of people... I know now because I can look at downloads like you mentioned. There's a lot of people that hear this show that love Father Turbo. So give them a, a couple Good. of hints of what you guys talk about. If you love Father Turbo, like, all right, I'm going to go into shameless self-promotion mode. Because if you love Father Turbo, not only are you going to really love my interview with him, I'm going to need you to ask you to go ahead. I feel like I'm doing the Bernie Sanders. I need to ask you to once again, I'm going to need to tell you, you got to go and join either on Patreon, Rockfin, and listen to the full extended version of that episode. I think you can even get... I'm not sure if... Rockstar, I think, does a free trial. Don't quote me on that. I know Subscribestar does. I have a Subscribestar too. So you could do this for free if you do a little work. So I'm putting that out there. I'm fine if you do that. You got to hear the bonus segment with him because we got into... Look, the first hour is, I think, great. And I think what's awesome about Turbo Qualls is like, besides his name, which we did go into, we did like a 20 minutes just on his name and the origins of his name and mm-hmm. how that came about, which is an awesome conversation. But he's just like... Like you think like, oh, Orthodox priest or what have you. Like, but like you talk to him and he's just like talking to a normal dude. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like talking to a skater dude that you know or something. It doesn't feel like the, what I would assume would be like the intimidating aspect of talking to someone of that level of enlightenment. That holy. Yes, that holy. That's the word for it. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, what we get into in the smoke-filled room segment, I really wanted to ask him about this because you and I talked about this a little bit, is the Book of Enoch. Yes. And what, that all means. I don't know if any of your, I'm sure some of your audience is more than familiar with it, but I was really curious if he believed it was canon. And spoiler alert, should I spoil? Yeah. Okay. Mm. I will spoil. Spoiler alert. He says, yes, he, he believed that is that it's canonical to the biblical story, which really has a whole host of interesting implications. And we get into those implications. We also tie it into the ancient apocalypse series on Netflix and I, I tie that into uh, it and it's yeah. it's not stuff I ever heard him talk about so I think that part of the conversation is just absolute gold and it's, it's stuff that you definitely wouldn't have heard from him if you had heard his other interviews. Speaking of Asian Apocalypse, I also did a bonus show yeah. with our, our friend Pete Quinones for both of our patrons breaking down well, I wouldn't say breaking down, giving our thoughts, our reactions to that show and that that actually we recorded that not that long about a week after I did the show with Turbo Qual. So this is all kind of fresh on my mind. So I was able to tie a lot of his thoughts on what that stuff means. I'll just leave it out there because it's way too much to try to get into the rest of this episode. But um, it's one of my favorite conversations, again, like I said earlier, ever. But I think particularly that bonus segment is going gonna, is gonna to blow some minds. Excellent. Yeah, I got to hear this now. I'm very excited. You've kind of plugged the Patreon, Rockfin, Subscribestar. Anywhere else people need to go for you? Need to know, but I tried to cast a wide net and just be anywhere people try to find me. So yes, I have the YouTube because you know that's a thing to do and you can find yeah. the most people that way, but I'm fully prepared to lose it at some point. Mm. I even synced up a Rumble channel because someone told me it was easy. So I have a Rumble channel. So you can find the Mark Claire like show, obviously every podcast app, but then you can find it. Video platforms, YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, 
BitChute, I take the time to upload to BitChute. I actually get a decent number of views, surprising number. I actually get more views on BitChute than on YouTube, interestingly oh. enough. So BitChute, and then of course Rockfin, where you can also uh, you can also become a supporter. Excellent. Dang, a lot of stuff there, Mark. A lot of platforms. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's what takes me so much time is all the uploading. That's like, mm-hmm. it's like a day of uploading. I mean, like no joke. That is like a portion of the work that people just like never think about with a podcast. You know, right. they probably think about the hosting, probably the editing. No one thinks about the, just the pure uploading. There's mm-hmm. so much uploading, Buck. Thanks, man. Thanks for being here on Counterflow. Thank you.